Welcome to week number three in our message series, Christmas is Complicated, uh, where we're looking at the, the Christmas story, that narrative, and, and really learning some real valuable life lessons uh, that we can apply right where we are uh, today. And in our first week, we talked about uh, simple favor, that what does it mean to walk in the favor of God? Last week, we talked about simple faith, uh, and, and today I want to talk about simple family. Uh, you know, as, as you can see here, this is a pretty complicated family, Mary and Joseph, very, uh, baby Jesus, incredibly complicated story as we read through the pages of scripture that are recorded for us, this uh, uh, narrative recorded uh, of the events that took place on that first Christmas. And uh, as much as we like to think family is not complicated, it, it is complicated and it all kind of percolates up to the surface during the holidays. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Something as easy as uh, Christmas photos. Uh, you know about Christmas photos? Those are like the most complicated things. Not really my favorite thing at all. Uh, however, we just dialed the clock back a little bit as Williamson family and uh, came across this picture, kind of a, a throwback picture. Uh, if we could put that up. Look at this. These are, these are my babies right here. These are my babies. Talking about my bulldogs. Uh, <laughs> This is Savannah. She's gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, and this is Musa uh, as well. They're brother and sister. Oh, and my, my three daughters, Susie and I, our three daughters, Sophia the youngest, and there's Michaela, and there's Brooke. Uh, we think best we can recall this is Christmas 2004. Uh, so really throw them at the clock. Isn't that an adorable picture right there? That only took somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half to get that. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I mean, first of all, the girls don't want to be next to the stinky dogs. So we have to bathe both of the dogs. That in and of itself is a major, major undertaking. Then all the girls, they have to get their hair done with the hats and all that. And then if you've ever shot pictures of animals before, you can't really have them making direct eye contact with the camera because their eyes like glow and they look like they have demons. So just, just getting them in, in the right frame of mind there. And we were throwing treats at them like crazy. I think we went through bags of treats, just getting them posed there. And then all the girls smiling. So, so seriously, this is only like an hour and a half, and it just looks perfect, doesn't it? We took this at home uh, in 2004, we believe it is, in front of the Christmas tree, uh, but there was a lot of yelling and screaming and crying that went on just to make that picture right there. And so we see that, and we're like, oh, you know, and, and you, you post that on, on social media, and people are like, what a perfect family. But it's not. It's complicated. It's very complicated. And, and it's really, really easy when we look at the manger scene, even we're like, what a perfect family. But it's a snapshot just like this. And you don't see all the chaos that really the Bible tells us the complicated story surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and so there's a lot of drama when it comes to family around Christmas. There was a lot of drama surrounding the first family, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And there's a lot of family drama that kind of accompanies this time of the year. Let, let me point out a couple of ingredients to a good family drama. What do you, what do you need to have some good family drama? See if this brings uh, to mind any of uh, your Griswold Christmases that you've had in the past. Uh, first of all, there's confusion. Just confused. There's kind of like this, what, what, where, what time are we doing this? Where are we going this? Well, who did this? Who's taking this? All this stuff. Just there's a lot of confusion swirling around. Just like the first Christmas. 
all kinds of confusions. Angels and wise men and shepherds and what? Livestock, feeding trough, lay a newborn baby in a feeding trough. Confusion. How about this complexity? Complexity. In this whole series, we've been trying to find simplicity. Simple favor, simple faith, tonight simple family. But there's all kinds of complexity. Make a plan, but things don't generally go the way that we anticipated them. In fact, I mentioned this in the series as well. We had probably our most complicated, complex Christmas as a Williamson family last year. In fact, today is one year to the day that our daughter had reconstructive surgery on her ACL in New York City, was supposed to go in at 10 o'clock in the morning and come out by 3. She ended up coming out four days or five days later because of complications, blood clot, all this stuff. Just, it, it was just, it was complex. A lot of drama. A lot of drama. And then you know what else can, can just add to good family drama? It, it, it simply change. Things have changed. Maybe your relationship has changed. Maybe uh, this is the first Christmas without someone, uh, you've had a loss in your family or a broken relationship. And change can cause a, a great complications. Maybe you're new in the area or, or maybe you're not going to be where you normally are for Christmas. And that change, it causes complication. And then this, I'm not talking about your family, maybe I'm just talking about some other family. How about this one, conflict. I'm not asking for a show of hands, how many have family conflict when they get together? The fact about matters, <laughs> you know right now, some of you are dreading that family get together for Christmas. You know there's gonna be a lot of this. There's gonna be a lot of elephants in the room. Nobody wants to really talk about, nobody wants to acknowledge. And it's conflict. Or, or maybe you're not aware of it. <laughs> maybe you're the one everyone's dreading being there. Maybe they're like, oh man, how in the world is he going to handle this stuff? How is she going to handle this situation? And, and then when it comes to, to drama, family drama, it also, a big part of it is connection, or could I put it this way, the lack thereof. We want to connect as a family, but there's, there's hurt, there's pain, <laughs> there's disappointment of the past, and, and we don't connect the way we want to connect. Disappointment. And so, confusion, complexity, change, conflict, connection. Do you know what? All of those are elements of the original Christmas story. Every one of those is found in the story of Jesus' birth. And in fact, it's not only found in the story of Jesus' birth, every one of these we find all throughout Jesus' life that he dealt with, lived through all of this in his family, in his circle of friends, in his followers, in his disciples, everyone. All of these confusion, complexity, change, conflict, and connection as well. Here's the fact. Every family has drama. Every family has drama. Maybe you don't scream or yell, but there's those undercurrents. The more the family you get together, those are kind of those awkward little, nobody's asking Uncle Charlie about <laughs> that big decision he made this year that just seemed like he was off his rocker. There, there, there's 
family drama, every one of us. And here's the thing, God's family has drama too. Not just our family, God's family has drama too. This church family has drama. We have drama, every church has drama. Let's be real, I'm not gonna, you know, blow smoke in your face, let's be real. We all have different experiences and they, they complicate things. We have different perspectives, we have different opinions, we have all these different things and, and, and they can add to a lot of the drama. And, and so what I wanna do is we talk about simple family, I wanna look at some of the drama around the birth of Jesus Christ because just because there's drama doesn't mean God's not up to something. God's not doing something great. And so many times I think we discount that God's working because there's some of this. But again, the fact about the matter is there was a lot of this all surrounding the miracle of Jesus' birth. And so even if we encounter some of this, God's still up to something. And instead of being a complicated family, my prayer is over the holiday coming up on this Christmas that we would learn how to be a simple family, that we could learn some stuff from Jesus' life, and we could apply that, and this Christmas could be very, very different for many of us who choose to walk out the teachings of Jesus and walk in his footsteps. And so I, I want to look at Matthew chapter 1, and I'm not going to start from the beginning of the chapter, but I will say this, the genealogy, that's the, you know, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so was so-and-so's father, and as you read through that genealogy, uh, one thing I want to point out in the first few verses of Matthew chapter 18, it's a complicated family. That's Jesus' family tree, and just to mention a few, in that family tree, there are murderers. There are adulterers. There are prostitutes. All in Jesus' family tree. How about that? Complicated family. Complicated family. Let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And it says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. What? Before they came together, she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Absolute miraculous. Miracle what God did there. There's some drama there. Can you imagine that you're Joseph for a minute and your fiance comes to you and says, I'm pregnant? This is a very real thing. Let's look at what happened goes the next verse. Because Joseph was, uh, jo Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. In the biblical culture of the day, when, when a couple was engaged, it actually took a divorce to separate them. They were betrothed normally for about a year's time period. And so as during this engagement, Mary comes to Joseph and says, I'm pregnant. Oh, and by the way, it's God's baby. I have not been with a man. What, what do you think his initial response was? Okay, the woman that I love is nuts. It makes it real clear. The Bible makes it very clear. He, he, he wanted to put her away. He was like, we're done. I'm out of here. This is over. That's a little drama, don't you think? Drama. But you also see love. 
because he didn't want her to suffer disgrace. So he said, I'll just put her away, I'll divorce her, and hopefully she'll go to some other town and know she won't have to live with the disgrace of having a child out of wedlock, which that in and of itself, she could be stoned to death under the law of the biblical times. But he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind, I'll just divorce her quietly and hopefully nobody knows about it. And it'll save her life. Drama. Then it goes on and says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. <clears throat> Have you ever thought about this before? This is just really strange. We hear about angels appearing to people all throughout the scriptures. That is, is somewhat uncommon. This is incredibly uncommon. An angel appears to him in his dreams. He's dreaming and this angel is speaking to him while he's asleep. The angel appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I, I wonder if he had uh, you know, actually seen. Why did God choose to have the, the angel appear to him in his dream? Maybe he would have, if he just appeared to him uh, with his own eyes to see, maybe he wouldn't have believed. Like, maybe I'm, I'm just seeing things. But God knew what was going to connect with Joseph the most, said, in his dreams. <clears throat> and so he says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And it goes on and says, <clears throat> and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Again, Jesus, I mentioned this one time before, Jesus is his name in Greek. Mary and Joseph probably didn't even speak Greek in all likelihood. They spoke Hebrew. His, word, his name in Hebrew is Joshua, just like in the Old Testament, Joshua. And it means uh, salvation is from God because he will save his people. And so his name's Joshua. And also, interesting to note, it was a very common name. It would be as common in our culture as someone named John. Jesus was not like a one-time exclusive name. That was the Greek translation of his name, uh, uh, Joshua. Just like my Spanish translation of my name is Gregorio. <laughs> Ain't nobody ever called me that in my life. Don't start now. But, but, but chances are Jesus may never have ever heard anyone say Jesus. They heard Joshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew pronunciation of his name. It says that's what his name's going to be. Joshua, because he will save his people from their sins. <clears throat> and the drama goes on. And it says... All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What a great promise there. God is with us. And you say, well, didn't they call him Jesus? Yeah, but many recognized God's with us. This is God's son. God is with us. I don't think anyone ever referred to him. Hey, Emmanuel. I don't think anyone did, but many said, he's the son of God. He's the son of God, which means God is with us. And then it goes on and says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus, Jesus, Joshua. By the way, I think it's very important to point out he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth because Jesus had 
half-brothers and sisters. The Bible makes that very clear. The children of Joseph and Mary. But there was only one child who was the child of Mary and God, and that is Jesus. And so a lot of drama that takes place here. There's, there's all kinds of drama that we see in the family of Jesus. And think about how in the midst of this, Jesus, God knew and he planned ahead of time. Think about how he chose to dramatically allow the story and navigate and, and, and really like a conductor, conduct this story. Think about it. He could have used the number one worship team in the planet to announce, here he is, the son of God. He did use an angelic choir, but who did he appear to? Not to kings, but to the lowliest of the low, the poorest of the poor in biblical times, shepherds. It was the job that you did when you could not do any other job, when there was nothing else you could possibly do. Lowest income, bottom of the rung occupation. Angelic choir appearing to the poorest of the poor, announcing the birth of Jesus. Then he uses stargazers from far away, men that are reading the stars, to, to, to give them a signal in the stars, something special has happened. And he reveals it to the wise men. And then, of course, non-religious people as well. Those shepherds and all throughout his life. You, you see this, this whole drama taking place between non-religious people and those that were very religious. Non-religious that received Christ and accepted him. Very religious that rejected him. Drama. Complex. Complicated not only in the birth of Jesus, but all through in his family, but all through his life as well. And as I said before, even here at Valley Christian Church, every church has drama, not only in our nuclear families, but in our church family as well. We have folks from all different economic places in our church family. We have all different educational backgrounds and things that we've studied and different levels of education as well. We have all different ethnicities in the Valley family. And we have all different political opinions in the Valley family as well. And so you know what? There's gonna be a little bit of drama. But here's the thing. What unites us is greater than, or he who unites us is greater than anything that would try to divide us. So there's drama. Life is about drama. So I guess the big question is, <laughs> You don't get to choose if you're going to be in the middle of drama or not. None of us get to do that. Uh, we all are going to be participants in some sort of drama and, and maybe even family drama this year. And, and so the, the question really is, what can we do to maximize the positive impact in the middle of maybe some real negative situations, particularly when it comes to family? How can we simplify our family relationships and with our circle of friends that we're gonna be interacting with over the next few days throughout this holiday. The rest of our time together, I wanna share with you three roles that I can play in my family drama. There's three different roles, and each one of these are kind of pairings that we came up with, uh, and, and you get to choose which role you're gonna play in each one of these three pairings, okay? But the choice 
is up to you. Here, here's the first one. I can play the role of a peacemaker instead of a drama queen. You choose. Which are you going to be? Are you going to be a peacemaker or are you going to be a drama queen? We all know drama queen, right? Don't we? Don't, don't look at the person next to you right now. That's bad timing for that. Don't, don't do that at all. I can play the role of a peacemaker instead of a drama queen. People are drama queens. We all know them, don't we? They just like to stir the pot. It's like they just don't like 24 hours of peace. They're the ones that always know what so-and-so is doing and always sharing it with everybody else. Just drama. It's, it's just always drama, stirring the pot rather than just, just looking to be a peacemaker and allowing things to just settle down. Turn up the fire instead of just letting it just calm down and cool off and just chilling. Folks that, that would rather be the drama queen or king, I suppose you could say, instead of the peacemaker, you know, that, that go to social media to rant. Rant and rave because they just believe either everyone sees things the way they do or they should see things the way they do. Drama mama, that's what that is. <laughs> drama king instead of being a peacemaker. But isn't it interesting that in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah the prophet talks about the coming of Jesus, one of the things that he says about Jesus is this. Watch this now. He'll be the prince of peace not drama not stirring it up he'll be the prince of peace in fact Jesus said it himself Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called what sons of God let me ask you a question. Are you a peacemaker? Are you a son of God? Or a daughter of God? That's supposed to be one of our family traits. Not drama queen or king. Peacemakers. Not peacekeepers. There's a difference. That means there's never any drama. Peacemaker means what? There's two conflicting sides, and I bring resolution and calm in the midst of difficulty. Make peace. Not just keeping it, making peace. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let me ask you a question. What would it take for you to be a peacemaker this Christmas? What do you need to do to be a peacemaker this Christmas? Maybe things are going to be like a Griswold Christmas in your family. What can you do to bring peace in the middle of a complicated Christmas? Peace. I love Romans chapter 12, verse 18, puts it this way. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all in other words do everything within your power to bring peace to the situation as far as it depends on you exhaust every option use every tool at your disposal to bring peace to live peaceably 
with all. So what would it look like for you to be a peacemaker this Christmas? I, I think probably the first thing is this. Maybe it means choosing to forgive. Choosing to forgive even if the person never takes responsibilities for what they did or what they didn't do. Because peace starts in our hearts. And how can you and I be a peacemaker if we don't have peace within us? Choose to forgive. Maybe to be a peacemaker this Christmas, it means asking someone to forgive you. Even though they did you wrong, but your reaction wasn't right to the wrong they did to you. Asking for forgiveness. Maybe some of us need to bring a little humble pie to Christmas dinner. Maybe we need to serve some humble pie as we humble ourselves and we ask for forgiveness this Christmas. Maybe to bring peace, it means to establish some boundaries. Establish some boundaries so that we can have peace in our family. That, that, that we can just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna be there, but I'm not gonna be there the whole time for all the knockdown, drag out foolishness. I'll be there for an hour, maybe and a half or two, but, but then I'm, we're gonna be together as a smaller family so that we can enjoy peace. Maybe you need to establish some boundaries. Who in your family or circle of friends do you need to make peace with this year? We have the choice. What role am I gonna play? Peacemaker or drama queen? How about this one, the second one? I can play the role of a hope peddler or a Debbie Downer. Hope peddler or a Debbie Downer. I, I can give people hope and I can encourage them. I can make that choice. Or I can just be like, oh, well, here we go again. What role am I going to play? A hope peddler or a Debbie Downer? Jesus is the hope of the world. Because he is, I have no other conclusion to come to except the best is always yet to come. Therefore, if I am playing Debbie Downer, I am not following Jesus Christ. I'm not doing it. I have a choice to make. Hope peddler trying to give hope to those that can't find hope. Or am I going to be a downer? Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Listen now, as Christians, we should have joy. And you know what joy is? It's not happiness. Joy is no matter what the situation is, no matter how hard it gets, because we have hope in someone greater than everything we go through, and his name's Jesus. So which role are you going to play? Hope peddler or uh, Debbie Downer? Kind of reminds me, uh, I was texting with my brother, one of my brothers uh, at Thanksgiving. They all got together in Atlanta there. We couldn't make it down. And kind of funny, uh, they all got together at one of the family's homes and uh, had, had a bunch of folks there. And, and at, at, right before dinner, my brother leaned back and he said, let's just go around the room and everyone share what they're thankful for. And so he's like, I shared, and then, uh, you know, we just went all the way around. And then he said, and then we got Thanksgiving, we're telling what we're grateful for and thankful for, and, and we got to dad. Now, my, my dad's getting on up in age, and uh, he's 30-so years older than I am. And, uh, and he said, uh, when he got to dad, like, dad, what are you grateful for? My father just 
started going off on the coming apocalypse and judgment of God. <laughs> and quoting verses from the book of Revelation. And my brother said, it was the biggest downer. And finally he was like, okay, let's move right on. How about someone else? What are you grateful for? Well, well, are, 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 you, are you a hope peddler? Or are you a Debbie Downer? It's your choice. Is your heart full of gratitude for what God has done in your life? Or do you accentuate the negative and always look for the, the negative in situations? How can I be a hope peddler instead of a Debbie Downer? Here, here's one way. Let me just put it this way. I'm real excited about Christmas Eve that's coming up. Maybe you can invite a friend to Christmas Eve. Because I'll tell you what, it's not going to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> not at all. We're, we're, we're going to be peddling hope. Because the hope of the ages, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, has come to give us hope. And so maybe that's a way that you could be a hope peddler this Christmas. Here's the third role that we have to play, the choice that we have to make. Third one, I can play the role of love giver instead of being a hater. Hater's gonna hate. <laughs> Hater's gonna hate. But let me just say this. Christian, God hadn't called you to be a hater. You're living below what he created you for. Hating on people, hating on things, hating on this group, that group, and the other. He's called you to be a love giver. To love. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 40. Jesus said, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the great and first commandment. Love God with everything in you. And then he went on and he said this, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Where is there any room in those two commandments for a hater? is not one there's no place to be a hater of anyone anything in God's point of view but we have the choice what role are we going to play are we going to be a hater or are we going to be someone who gives love and this is why I say give love I think it's so important probably the most well-known most quoted verse in all the Bible, and this is where Christmas Eve we're going to start from that is so huge and important. My whole message I'm building around this one verse. John 3, 16. For God so loved. God loves. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Love gives the greatest gift, that's the message for Christmas Eve, that you'll ever received is Jesus. It's the greatest gift you'll ever receive. It's the greatest gift that I have ever received. Why do we give gifts on Christmas? Have you ever wondered? It's not our birthday. Why do we receive gifts? Because God gave the first gift and the greatest gift ever given. I'm not going to get into my Christmas Eve message right now, but it's coming. I'm excited. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever, 
whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We have the choice what role we're going to play in family drama this year, this Christmas. Peacemaker or drama queen? Hope peddler, Debbie Downer. Love giver or hater? I'm praying that through this complicated Christmas that we will really keep our eyes focused on a simple family, the family of God, and becoming more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing would honor him more than to choose to live our lives and to walk through this complicated Christmas in a way that would please him. I'm gonna ask, would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that when it comes to complicated families, uh, Jesus knows. <laughs> he understands complicated relationships, difficult family relationships, circle of friends. And Father, I just pray for everyone in the Valley family that, that we would just resolve in our hearts that we would walk in your grace this Christmas celebration that we would choose the right role that you want us to play, the role of peacemaker, the role of hope peddler, the role of love giver through this Christmas, and that we would keep our eyes focused on a simple family, that we're in the family of God, your family, Father, and that we would become more and more like Jesus through this complicated Christmas, realizing it started complicated, it always is complicated, but that we would come out of this Christmas celebration this year with our character being formed to look more like Jesus Christ than ever before. In his name we pray, amen.